Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 149, part one, my part. Uh, scheduling is not permitting Matt and I to get together later. Uh, I have work, and I think working during the day. So uh, we're just going to record uh, half episodes each. I'm going to run through the games quick, and then I'm sure Matt will do the same thing. Uh, the reason being that we just want to make sure you guys have the picks before the weekend. Um, there's the, the double game weeks are, are always a mess. It's always a nightmare. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it really. I wanted to remind you guys that the NFL show is back before I get into, uh, the midweek madness from, uh, the prep. We recorded that Wednesday morning and that is up. So we did, there was five of us and we did all of our picks. So over there and and check that out if you're excited for the NFL if you're interested. Um well we'll jump into these prem games. I am tired to be honest with you. So you'll have to uh, forgive me if I'm if I'm not quite on the pace here, but we'll jump right in. We had Crystal Palace and Brentford. Those two teams met on Tuesday, August 30th. The first goal was scored in the 59th minute by Wolf Saha. Who else? Yoan uh, Wissa scored one in the 88th to draw the two teams level, and that was uh, that was just so necessary. Honestly, taking a point here for Brentford was clutch. I had Palace. I I really thought that they'd be able to sneak this one out, but they just were unable to do so. In terms of stats, we had 13 shots for Palace, nine shots for the Bees, four shots on target for Palace three for Brentford. The possession was split essentially down the middle. This was a good match. This was a really solid um, lineup from both sides, I think. We had Tony up top uh, and Buemo and then Lewis Potter across the right and left for Brentford. Uh, midfield not changed much from last week. And then Mateta playing uh, striker for Palace with Elise Zaha. And Eze in there. I think that is truly the best that they can get. I know I said last week with Matt that I didn't want to see Ayu get the start here, and he didn't. It was uh, it was Eze and Elise and Mateta up top. That's that's perfect. I think that's the the best way for them to move forward. Um, this is a London derby, but I was I was surprised that the Match ended 1-1. I really did think that <clears throat> Palace would be able to edge them, but Brentford are one of those teams that just refuse to die. Um, I don't think they're a bad team or anything, but they just don't really let themselves out of games. They they score late uh, <clears throat> often, and, and they look good as a unit. So I think it's a good, it's a fine result for Palace. Brentford are a challenging team, but I would have liked to see them get all three. <clears throat> we had Fulham taking on Brighton uh, at Craven Cottage. Tough place to play. They they sing loudly. Alexander Mitrovic opened the scoring in the 48th minute, and then Lewis Dunk with an unfortunate own goal for Brighton in the 55th. Alexis McAllister scored a goal in the 60th on a penalty, but it wasn't enough for Brighton to get back into the game. Another really good result for Fulham. Ten shots for them, three shots on target. They didn't hold a lot of the ball with just 39% possession. But when they did have it, they are threatening. Mitrovic, I think he has five goals in five games. He is inevitable. Excuse me, inevitable. He just, he latches on to balls 
and doesn't quit. His work rate is not, you know, anything astronomical, but his touch is good. He he maneuvers himself well, I think, for considering his size. And he's just extremely hard to defend. You know, Dunk and and not so much Webster, but Dunk is a is a good defender. Solly March is a good defender. He he's playing a little bit out of position. He can play further up the pitch as well. But Brighton are a systematic team who who defend extremely well. Um, and and they weren't able to they weren't able to get everything going here. I thought maybe they'd be able to score more as well because. Tim Ream is is somebody that you certainly can expose because of his pace, um, but I have to say that that Fulham defense is not bad. Anthony Robinson, I know we praised him last week, looked good again. He did get a yellow card in this game, but I think he he makes Ream and um, and Tete and Adarabio much much better. Uh, this this Fulham defense is is really really solid. Burnt Leno again. A good game. I think that you know, Fulham aren't going to be able to to maintain this level of performance all season long. But to get a result against the Brighton team, who have been extremely impressive this this season, uh, is is really great for Fulham to take all three. There is is fantastic. Uh, Fulham currently sit in eighth place on eight points. Brighton uh, in fourth, believe it or not, on 10. So there's going to be shake up with both of those teams, but this is, that was a great game from Fulham, a really good performance. And it seems like Mitrovic won't be stopping anytime soon. Okay. We'll jump into the next one here. Southampton two, Chelsea one. Good Lord. This is a tough one. Raheem Sterling, the only offensive player that Chelsea have on their team these days scored in the 23rd. New boy Romeo Lavia added one in the 28th, and then Adam Armstrong in stoppage time of the first half, uh, the 45th plus the first minute, scored as well. Nine shots for the Saints, 10 for Chelsea, seven shots on target for Southampton, and just four for Chelsea. Southampton didn't have that much of the ball, only 32% of the possession. They completed 259 passes and only passed the ball with 61% accuracy, so it's not like they move the ball around all that well. This is a really, 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 really bad result for Chelsea. Um, I have no idea what they can do besides throw Aubameyang in there, who just signed for them, and pray that he performs. Because Sterling has been great, but he cannot be your only striker or... Well, one, he's not a striker. He's a winger. Um, but he's he's essentially playing striker because he's the only one that's willing to work hard enough to get himself into positions to score goals. That's an issue. Uh, and you're picking up Aubameyang, who is another player that does not work. Um, so I don't know how this is going to go. But the performance here, the, the level that, that Chelsea had was just not good enough. Southampton fought. Uh, I think they played better, and that Romeo Lavia kid is great. He he scored a really nice goal. I think Bella Kochap, uh, who's young, he has been has been really really good this season. And then you have Salisu, of course, and Walker Peters, as well as James Ward Prowse, guys who've been in this team for a while, who continually put in solid shifts. Um, and that's the that's the difference. It's effort. There is not a lot you have to do right now to beat Chelsea. They are not performing to the level that they need to. Uh, we saw Pulisic. We saw Broya. We saw Chilwell and Kovacic come in. 
to be honest with you, I think it's time for, well, they're going to start up Amiang, but I think it's time for Broya to, to start to get some time because this just isn't working. Ziyech looks like shit. Mason Mount looks like one of the worst players in the Prem. I don't know what's going on with him. Havertz, not up to the task, playing out of position. Like, they, they need to do some soul-searching. They need to change things around. There was no wide players in this game. They played extremely narrow. Uh, and I just think they got exposed because the, those players were not able to move the ball around well enough uh, to take advantage of that that narrow formation. And I don't know. This is bad. Chelsea are not in a great spot. They're in 10th place on 7 points. Southampton are above them on 7 points, which is absolutely fucking insane. <clears throat> Okay, Leeds 1, Everton 1. And despite an Anthony Gordon goal in the 17th that opened up the scoring, Leeds United were able to strike back with Luis Sinistera in the 55th, take a share of the points. Five shots on target for Leeds, two for Everton, 14 shots for Leeds, seven for Everton, and then 70% of the possession went to Leeds in this one. I think what this one comes down to, and I know this sounds simple, is the fact that Leeds just did not defend strongly off the start. Lorente looked frustrated, I think. Um, I think this this all comes down to the fact that they let Anthony Gordon get through. That was a good goal. It was well worked, but um, I think Leeds should have taken all three points here because they looked much, much better towards the end of the game. Uh, they've earned eight points in their last four home league games. <clears throat> this is as many as they've had from previous 11 at Ellen Road. Um, I don't know. This was this was tough. They conceded a lot of fouls uh, in this game. They've actually committed 10 in their five games so far, uh, which is insane. They just play sloppy, I think, defensively when the games start. It takes them a while for them to grow into their uh, performance. But once they do, they look great. And this is just one of those things where... Um, Anthony Gordon, who's their talisman, he's the only player that matters right now for Everton, uh, got them off the mark. And then I think they're lucky that he's there because they wouldn't be winning any of these games if he wasn't the guy that's there fighting and scoring. Uh, I do really like the fact that, that Anthony Gordon is is so passionate. Um, I don't know if it's just for him because he wants to move or if it's for, you know, the club itself, uh, but I do I do like to see the passion there from from Gordon. He I think he's a solid player and he's going to continue to develop and grow. Uh, really, just because so much of uh, Everton's success kind of weighs on him. And then I think um, Leeds are going to be fine. I, I'm I'm starting to see more and more out of them. They just need to grow into these games earlier. Uh, this is a game where you should be able to get three points because Leeds have much more quality on the pitch and on the bench. Uh, than Everton do, so un unfortunate for them, but I'm I'm sure that Marsh will just take the point. Bournemouth nil, Wolves nil. This was a sleeper. Uh, I thought I thought Wolves would grow into this one, but they were unable to get any sort of goals whatsoever. Lined up similarly, Gonzalo Guedes was out there on the left with Jimenez and Neto up top, uh, right alongside each other, center and right forward with Billing, Philip Billing. Hilarious and Dominic Solanke up top for Bournemouth. This is a good result for Bournemouth despite their stacking of Scott Parker. Uh, I think to just give up zero goals is, is good after you give up nine the week before. They just needed to get on the board here and they were unable to do that. I'm not going to go too far into that because that was a fucking snore. Um, 
City, six. Forest, nil. Uh, another pumping. Erling Holland scoring in the 12th, 23rd, and 38th. Another 25-minute hat trick, which is fucking obscene. Pincella with uh, a goal in the 50th, and then Julian Alvarez, who... I'm not sure if he started. He did. He started right behind Holland. Um, he scored in the 65th and 87th. This was crazy. I only got to see the second half because it was I was just busy. Um, but Holland with another 25 minute hat trick. It's just crazy. I mean, this guy. This guy may just absolutely batter the goals record. Uh, he is insane. City with 17 shots and 9 on target with 8 shots and 1 on target to Nottingham Forest with 75% possession for the, the citizens and I, I don't know. <clears throat> it's crazy. Nottingham Forest, I know, have, have signed a ton of players, but we didn't see any Lingard in this one. Uh, we saw Gibbs White and Johnson up top with O'Brien, Froehler, and Yates behind them. Brennan Lodi's there now. Nico Williams, of course, is there. And then Chuck Chiate. So there was there was a little bit of quality on the pitch, but they were never going to get into this game against City. Once Holland scores, it, it looks like games are over. He is he's like the Norwegian Terminator. He's he's just he's horrifying. Um and, and that was a, a complete destruction. We had Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 1. Ooh, this was a sweaty one. Gabriel Jesus scoring in the 30th. Uh, Douglas Louise actually got one back in the 74th, but then Martinelli uh, decided that, you know, it was time for Arsenal to take all three. So this was a sweaty game. I, I think um, Arsenal should have been able to score more. We got off uh, pretty hot. We were all over them towards the end of the first half. Absolutely battering them. 22 shots, 9 on target with 60% possession. I think everybody looked good. Um, <clears throat> Saka was was pivotal in the early part of this game, but again, he's he's missing goals. He's missing sitters. Somebody took the guy's powers away. I don't, I don't know what happened. Um, I'm hoping that it's just a temporary thing, and he's getting used to the new system, but <clears throat> in terms of changes, I think uh, Lakonga looked okay. Uh, no parts in this game. We're still missing. Um, what's his name? The new guy, Zinchenko. Uh, pardon me. Uh, so it was it was Sammy Lukonga in this game. I think he looked all right. And then Villa. Every time I look at their team, I'm reminded that they don't have a terrible team. Ollie Watkins, Emmy Buendia, and Leon Bailey as your front three should be able to guarantee you at least uh, a couple of points just based on quality alone. And and those guys aren't aren't playing up to the standard that they need to be. Watkins has looked all right, but Emmy Buendia and Leon Bailey are two of the most flop signings that I've ever seen um, in recent years. Uh, this was this was just a really poor performance from Villa. They don't have the fight that's required to compete in these games with the top four right now. Uh, and Arsenal now moved to to five and O, oh, which is which is insane. I thought for a minute they would slip there, but they were Able to keep it together, which was fantastic. Okay, West Ham 1, Tottenham 1. Uh, my first thing that I have to say is Son is finished. Uh, time time to go, Son. You you look like shit so far, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, of betting on the guy. I'm, I'm tired of watching him fail to provide uh, the services that, that he's paid for. 
But it, in all seriousness, he has been off the pace. Um, Kulu, I think, has been better. He's he's not he's not scorching hot either right now. But I think he has been better. And then Kane is is really your only goal threat right now. You're you're not you're not going to be able to get much in terms of multi-scoring performances out of anybody else besides Kane right now. Um, the difference in this game was was originally going to be uh, Athilo Carrer own goal that was scored in the 34th, but Thomas Suchek scoring. Uh, from midfield where he was playing sort of holding mid. I was shocked. Um, I was really shocked that he was he was the one that, that got on the board here. I, I would have loved uh, Tottenham to win this game, but, you know, they, they decided that they needed to cost me money. This is great as an Arsenal fan because they're, they're not going to be able to chase us down as easy. I'm, I'm sure they still will. They're in third place. We're only four points ahead, but... Um, this was, this was really, really tough to watch because I had money on the game and I, th- I thought Tottenham were, were a sure thing here just because West Ham struggled so much to score. Uh, but, but they were the team that scored from open play. You know, the Tottenham were the ones that got the own goal goal. So stats, 14 shots for the Irons, 12 shots on target for, or 12 shots for Spurs, four shots on target for the Irons, three shots for Spurs. And then the possession was was primarily Tottenham. I think this is just an off game. I do think Tottenham will be able to get back to their scoring ways. Um, but Son needs to be more involved in the scoring load because it, it's just not going to be good if you rely on Harry Kane uh, for essentially all of your goals. I think most of the goals have come, well, almost all have come from Kane. And then there's a couple from like Hoiberg and um, I think Kulu has a goal and an assist, but... Uh, they they have to they have to spread the ball out here soon. Sun's got to get back on it because it's not been good. Liverpool two, Newcastle one. Uh, can I get my stats to pull up? Okay, there we go. Uh, new boy Alexander Isak scoring in the thirty eighth to <clears throat> put Newcastle ahead before halftime. Unfortunately, Roberto Firmino had different plans. He scored in the 61st, and the new boy for Liverpool, Fabio Carvalho, scored in the 98th minute stoppage time. Annoying. Liverpool were the better team in this one. 23 shots versus Newcastle's five. Six shots on target versus Newcastle's five. And then they uh, also had 72% of the possession. I think uh, Liverpool looked fantastic here. They lined up how you would have expected. Firmino, Salah, and, and Diaz there with Elliot, Fabinho, and Henderson in the midfield. Fabinho is just so extremely important for them. Um, TAA, Gomez, Van Dyke, and Robertson across the back. I'd say, again, Van Dyke doesn't play great with Joe Gomez. I don't know what it is about um, that pairing, but they're two very solid uh, center backs by themselves, so I don't know why the pairing doesn't work so well. Uh, Isak, good to see him. Uh, fellow, fellow Swedish, uh, man of Swedish heritage. We had Fraser there on the left and Almiron on the right. Willock in the midfield, Jolinton in the midfield, and then one of the Longstaff brothers, uh, in the back or in the, uh, center mid. I just can't believe that Liverpool keep getting these these results from positions where they're sort of in the gutter. Um, eight points for them. Six, uh, they're in sixth, sixth position. Jesus, I just woke up. 
And then we have Newcastle, who are in 12th, uh, also on six points. The table is not spread apart so far. There's there's going to be a lot of movement here. I thought Newcastle would be able to stay in this game. I thought they'd be able to just give Liverpool a bloody nose uh, like they did against City last week. But they were they were just not strong enough there towards the end to uh, keep that goal from, from happening with, with Carvalho. But Carvalho is going to fit right into that Liverpool system. He's he's a cunt. Um, I I can already tell. So yeah, that that's all I have to say uh, about Liverpool. My hatred for them grows every day. It's it's really quite something. Um, Manchester United one, Leicester City nil. Despite a very slow game outside of the the one goal, uh, United are able to snag all three points. Following a fantastic uh, win of the ball back towards the right <clears throat> right midfield, uh, the ball managed to find Marcus Rashford, and then Rashford managed to cross the ball in on a, a fantastic ball. Uh, Sancho received it, took a few touches, nice touches, and then <clears throat> managed to just dribble right around the keeper and finish home in the 23rd. That was such a terrible description of a goal. But you'll have to you'll have to excuse me. I don't have my caffeine yet. Um, nine shots on target for United. Ten shots for the Foxes. Two shots on target for both sides. And then the possession actually was uh, <clears throat> shared pretty well too. Fifty four percent for Leicester. Forty six for United. I think this is another good showing from United. They probably should have scored more. Uh, but Sancho is proving me wrong so far. He's he's looked really good. Rashford, I thought, looked good in this game. He was a bit unlucky to, to not get a goal in this one. Ilanga looks good. Fernandez, not not up to his his true potential, but he looked okay as well. And then that United defense, I think, is is playing with a little bit of fervor. Lissandro Martinez looks good. Veron better with, with Martinez than um that he was with Maguire and then Malasia and Dalo are, are both, they've both been really solid this year. So uh, I think United are on the up and up. It's crazy to see Erickson playing in a deep lying playmaking position, uh, but he actually has been great there. McTominay made a few really good tackles in this game as well. And I'm just reminded every time I watch Leicester play, how many issues they truly have. Tillemans, Dewsbury Hall, Madison and Barnes across the front there with Vardy ahead of them is such a such a really good attacking midfield, but there are coaching issues there, and we are not going to see those players there for all that much longer. So Leicester probably on their, their way into the mud. Uh, they're currently in 20th place on just one draw, uh, which is insane. It's, it's Leicester, Aston Villa, and Wolves that are down there right now. So all of the promotion sides... Uh, are safe as of right now. That's it's absolutely insane to think about, but it's true. So we'll move on. Uh, we have all of our picks. I'm gonna shoot these to Matt later, uh, or he can just listen to the show and, and he'll be able to get them. Uh, we're jumping right in. Everton versus Liverpool tomorrow at 7:30. I'm taking Liverpool straight up. Uh, I know that Everton can can get active in these derbies, but I just can't see it. I'm going to take Liverpool. We have Tottenham versus Fulham tomorrow at 10. Ooh, this is a tough one because I, I'd like to say that Fulham get get out the blocks. Uh, 
They lost to Arsenal. I think they're going to lose to Tottenham too. I, I just can't. In good conscience, uh, pick Fulham to to batter Tottenham. I just can't see it happening. So I'm going to take Tottenham straight up. We have Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth. This is another one where I'd I'd like to just kind of crawl into a corner and hide. I don't really want anything to do with it. But I think if you put a gun to my head, Nottingham Forest have much more quality. So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Nottingham Forest. We have Chelsea versus West Ham tomorrow at 10 as well. A lot of games tomorrow at 10. Only two games on Sunday. Um, this one, I think, is a draw. Both of these teams are underperforming right now. We're not going to see Aubameyang right off right off the bat. Uh, and I think that's where most of Chelsea's issues are, are up top. So uh, we'll go with a draw on this one. Uh, it could be a low-scoring 0-0, 1-1 draw. I'm probably going to be on the under in this game. Just because I think both teams, the only thing that they do really well is sort of defend. Um, Bradford versus Leeds. This is going to be fast-paced. It's, it's going to be full of action. I'm going to take Leeds in this one. I think they're able to edge Brentford. Leeds and Palace sort of remind me of each other. They're both young teams that play with a lot of uh, vigor. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take Leeds. I think they edge Brentford in this one. There's no way that Brentford are able to keep up this, this string of results all season long. I just don't see it happening. Wolves Southampton up next. This one, I'm going to go with a draw. I hate both of these teams. I hate watching both of these teams. Wolves were unable to score a goal on fucking Bournemouth last week. So I don't know why they'd be able to score a goal in Southampton. And then Southampton, there is personally no way that they get another win after last week's at Chelsea. I just think the luck's going to run out for them, and we're going to see another draw. Newcastle versus Palace. This is another really tough game. Newcastle are a better team than Palace if you look at if you look at the paper. Um, I also really like Palace, so it's, it's hard for me to just say, yeah, Newcastle are going to win, especially with their injuries. They don't have Callum Wilson, which is a problem. Um, I'm going to go with the draw here, too. I can see this being like a 1-1 or a 2-2. Palace kind of practiced that never-say-die um, mentality. I think he's... I think Zaha and um, <clears throat> Elise... Eze, or not Eze. Um, yeah, Eze. Um, are all extremely solid young players. Well, with the exclusion of Zaha, he's not young anymore, but... Uh, those guys are dynamic. They score a lot of goals, and I just think Newcastle, especially if they start Dan Byrne there uh, on the left, are are going to be able to to get exposed. Uh, so I'm going to take I'm going to take a draw. I just I I can't see this one going all to to one side. I I like the the one one point share. Aston Villa taking on Manchester City. That's an easy one. We're going to go with City. Villa have shown us absolutely nothing. They didn't show anything against Arsenal last week. They haven't shown anything at all this season. So we're going to get with City. Brighton versus Leicester City. We're going to go with Brighton there. Leicester City have been terrible, absolutely abysmal. Brighton are a much, much better team. They play in a system. Leicester currently might as well be playing without a manager. That's an easy one. We're going to go with Brighton there. And then Arsenal take on United Sunday, September 4th at 11.30 a.m. Uh, I don't think you guys even need to know. Really, honestly, you, you know that I'm going to go with Arsenal. Uh, I have to pick them here. This could be one of those games where they just fall flat and, and are unable to perform. But 
this is the first big game of the season. This is for, you know, this is for the... <clears throat> the... Fuck. I honestly don't even remember what I was going to say. This is the game you have to win in order to get people talking about the fact that you actually can contend. Or, or if you can contend, if people are already asking that question... These are the games that answer them, and I just think that Arsenal do have plenty of quality to beat United now. We don't have to worry about the fact that we're going to have to mark Ronaldo. We don't have to worry about the fact that we have an unbelievable defense we're going up against. United are vulnerable at this point, and I think that Arsenal have plenty of... Um, Plenty of plenty of of talent up top to to test these defenders at, at United. This is going to be a tough game. It, it's at Old Trafford. Uh, Old Trafford was loud the last couple times that United played there, but I'm going to take Arsenal. I think we can edge this one. Uh, I think the boys are ready, and I'm really curious to see how Mikel lines the team up because um, I I think we're going to see some changes. I, I think we're going to get Zinchenko back. Um, I, I really hope we do because Arsenal play better when he's on the pitch. Uh, but overall, I, I have to go with Arsenal. Okay, that concludes my midweek recap and my preview for this weekend. Uh, this episode is right about half an hour, so pretty much exactly what I wanted. Again, make sure you go check out the NFL show. It was Jeremy and I, uh, as well as our three friends, Cookie, Zach, and Jack. So, Make sure you go check that out if you're interested in the NFL. Make sure you listen to Matt's episode later on tonight before tomorrow's games. And then we will catch you guys on, I don't know if there's games next week, the middle of the week, but we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get on top of it. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe. Also, check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can find all past episodes of the show on there, as well as all current and future episodes. Um, we'll see you guys soon. You know, Take care. Uh, enjoy the weekend's games. Enjoy your college football if you like college football. And we'll see you soon.